I'm Nala Ayed, host of Ideas. In this age of clickbait and online shouting, Ideas is a meeting ground for people who want to deepen their understanding of the world. Join me as we crack open a concept to see how it plays out over place and time and how it matters today. From the rise of authoritarianism to the history of cult movies, no idea is off limits. Ideas is on the CBC Listen app or wherever you find your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Q. So I want to tell you about this new uh, TV show from CBC. It's called I Hate People, People Hate Me. It's about two best friends named Jovi and Tabitha. And they're struggling to find their place in the queer community in Toronto. And much like the characters themselves, the show itself is a bit of an outlier for what you typically see on Canadian TV. I mean, there's drugs. There's not really a message of, like, glorification or condemnation. There's sort of this irreverence around depression and anxiety. Should we be on, like, medication? Like... What? Antidepressants? No. I mean, I know you pride yourself on being counterculture, but Tabby, maybe this is one trend that could benefit us both to adhere to. Everyone's on meds, even Lady Gaga. Stephanie, Joanne, Angelina, Jormanotta. I trust her judgment. That's the main character, Jovi, talking to his friend, Tabitha. Jovi's a struggling musician, lives in a garage, has a shrine to the musician Biff Naked. And the comedian who plays Jovi is also the creator of the show, the comedian Bobby Summers. Bobby's got this really great, as you can hear there, like deadpan, observational comedy. I Hate People, People Hate Me had its world premiere at the Tribeca Film Festival earlier this year. And now all six episodes are available on CBC Gem. So not that long ago, Bobby joined Q guest host Saroja Coelho to talk all about the series. Here's their conversation. Bobby, hi. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun. I intended to watch one or two episodes, ended up binging the entire thing top to bottom. I can't wait to talk about the series. But as I understand it, a lot of this comes from your own life. Like Jovi, you were pursuing a career in music, a successful one. You were signed to Columbia. What made you want to make this switch to comedy? Well, First things first, I have to say about I Hate People, People Hate Me is a lot of it is based on my personal experience, but a lot of it is a total cartoon, punky, perverted fantasy and just things I sort of um, concocted um, in the darker corners of my imagination. So it's like by no means an autobiography. But yes, similar to the character, I was an aspiring songwriter. Um, recording artist and uh, yeah I thought I was a superstar the world disagreed I posted my new song to gay Twitter and it only got four likes John Philippe posted a photo this morning and it got like 9k likes songs are cool maybe practice some patience until you find your audience it's not fair I have to patiently await the realization of my dreams while I live in a garage I had just gotten out of my recording contract in Los Angeles and I had just been released from my songwriting contract and I moved back to Mississauga um, to sleep in my parents' office room and I was just in a really bad headspace, you know. I just 
I was working at Indigo. I felt pretty like aimless. Wow, <laughs> it's a big life change that you were in. It was a big shift. And like people sort of recognized me from the band. But I was like working retail because my band like almost broke, if that makes sense. But um, yeah, I just remember hitting some real low lows on a personal level. Um, and somebody took me to Comedy Bar in Toronto on Bloor Street. And I just felt like the people on stage there, they just like came across to me as rock stars. They seemed like they were having fun and I wanted to be a part of it. Well, they also, I mean, a lot of comedy, especially in the Toronto scene, mm -hmm. takes those really grief-laden moments in life and turn them into this wonderful moment of self-perception, glory, that there's actual joy that can come from those really dark moments that must have in some way radiated across to you. Totally, yeah. I felt like, well, my co-star in Hate People, Lily Kashmira, she... That's how we met. Like, we were both doing stand-up, and I just happened to have this draft of a pilot. <laughs> and as soon as I met her, I kind of got this feeling that she should be the artist attached to the series with me. And, uh, you know, I was right. People, oh, She's just... The two of you have such a wonderful energy. It's com completely controlled, a very flat surface, lots of emotion happening. Her face, how does somebody emote so much by barely moving her jawline? I know. We spent a lot of time and energy sort of like dialing back our performances and really making the little stuff count, you know, because on TV, everything is so big. Sometimes I can just move my lip half a millimeter and it'll look big on TV if, you know, if the camera is doing the right thing or if your eyes are a certain way. So we scaled back our performances and we found this sweet spot of like misery and fun. <laughs> You're saying misery and fun with a big smile on your face. I want to let everybody in on the on the joke here. These are two outsiders in the queer community, Jovi and Tabitha. For anyone who hasn't seen the show yet, can you tell us a little bit of the story? Well, um, I play Jovi, who is a failing punk musician who rents a homophobic old lady's garage. <laughs> and that's where he lives. And... Um, he basically is hyper fixated on the idea of being a superstar because he feels like that's the only way society will ever love him because his parents decided they didn't want him when he was 11 and they left him at a Best Buy. And, you know, I have all this dark backstory, quirky backstory that maybe I'll get to go into more if the series continues. But uh, yeah, he's best friends with a girl named Tabitha and they what binds them together is kind of uh, a shared hatred and maybe even a sense of superiority to the rest of society it's just like we're so much cooler than everyone they just don't get it we're just smarter your co-star Lily described the show as retro fetishist which <laughs> sounds to me a little bit like nostalgia I'm trying to wrap my my mind around the concept I'm curious what that means to you it's not that the show itself is retro fetishist. It's that the two characters are, for whatever reason, I guess the characters just 
like me really gravitate towards like a certain 90s grungy aesthetic, which makes sense because that's when I grew up, right? And that's like my fondest memories are like being at Canada's Wonderland and listening to The Offspring, you know? Like I was just very, uh, yeah, just like 90s kid. Came time to sort of give the show an aesthetic. I didn't want them to be in like front street condos uh, <laughs> with white walls or like, you know, those sort of like gentrified, everything looks the same. Like the show had to have a look. Um, and I wanted it to look like a 90s Nickelodeon cartoon, but live action. So that's. <laughs> Well, you you top it off with someone who had a wonderful rise in the 90s, which is the appearance of the diva herself, yes. if naked. Yes. And your character, My Jovi, hero. has this incredible shrine to her in his garage. Yeah. Queer punk legend, Biff Naked, please open my artistic portal and bestow me with creative genius so that I can become a Canadian icon like you and prove my naysayers wrong. Like John Philippe, that mother. Amen. Punk will never die. Yes. Um, I don't know if you remember the '90s cartoon Hey Arnold, but there was a girl on that show named Helga who had a shrine to the guy she had a crush on, Arnold. Arnold, I call on the power of thy sacred shrine. Bastion of sanity in this crazy, mixed-up world in which we live. How tender I feel when you brush past me. How I forget my cares. And I always wanted to do something like that live action because I thought it was really funny. And when I found out Biff Naked was like, first of all, she's so cool um, as a person. So she was really, uh, she was excited and she wanted to do it. So I got to sort of write her into the entire series. Wow. And then when you actually see her in the flesh in episode six, it feels like this big, uh, nice way to put a bow on everything. From now on, you're only looking for the people who are looking for you. Yeah. I'm only looking for the people who are looking for me. I think you understand. Thank you, Biff. It's a glorious moment. I don't want to give away too much because folks mm-hmm. should really just watch the the right. six the six episodes. But she has a glorious diva moment. She turns around that muscled back and all of right. her tattoos, and she's beautifully lit. And it just feels like she has become a sort of spiritual force for Jovi. Right. It's totally that. Just like some, the character needed something to look to. That sort of. A, a power greater than himself. It's like um, really cool that I got to be her, and that I didn't have to pretend 
to be obsessed. <laughs> I actually am. She she's a wonderful high note. There is such a normalcy around drugs, depression, masturbation, mm-hmm. uh, sexual insecurity. Uh, what happens to you when you start taking antidepressants? And it's all done with such deadpan flatness and absolute reality. It's not a moralizing moment. It's simply the facts of these people's lives. With all of that in mind, are you a little surprised that this found a place on Canadian TV? Well, yes, I am surprised. I am surprised. I still still don't even know if it has a place on Canadian TV. It just came out when we're recording this. So I really am still wondering myself. A lot of people have used the words like strange or weird. I like those words. Um, I I like those words too. Right? Because all those things you described that are in the show, uh, drugs, masturbating, uh, you know, don't, I'm pretty sure people do those things in real (laughs) life. I'm pretty sure I'm not the first. (laughs) I think those might actually be things that are in the world. And also like, I know for the characters personally, like there's very little joy, but it's always funny or almost always funny. There were very few, like, I'm trying. Oh, give me that tear. Give me that tear, Sorosia. Like, <laughs> where I didn't, I didn't want to beg the audience to be emotionally invested. I didn't want to ask people to care. I just wanted to be. And if you care, then you care. That's great. favorite one-hit wonder or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have or that tv show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon now what if we could fix it i'm francesca ramsey and i'm delon grant and after 20 years of friendship we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called let me fix it each episode we'll dig into our favorite celebrities shows and brands of yesteryear and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today think of our show as an intervention but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Well, let's just imagine a world in which people really, really do care. I mean, I know that season one has only just premiered, Mm -hmm. but given the opportunity, where could you see a season two going? I have so many ideas for the second season. I've been saying about season two, like it would have to be bigger, badder, sadder. Like I can come back and do the same thing. I think the characters deserve more time because it's a mini series. The episodes are short, right? Season two would be incredible if we could get to spend more time and dig into the ideas I have for season two. You really get the nuances of Jovi's relationships with like John Philippe. And the, who he's so jealous of on social media. <laughs> yes, yes. His his nemesis, John Philippe, who kind of has the life he dreams of having in some ways. Um, yeah, no, I've been writing this idea for season two where my character goes on a mythical quest in the undergrounds of Toronto to find an orgy he wasn't invited to. <laughs> uh, it's... Uh, it's so fun to write and like no one's asked me to write it by the way I'm just writing I'm writing it to, to send to the rest of the cast to see if they think it's funny and if we get to make it one day uh, we'll make it one day 
Well, that's just that is just something spectacular to to wait and hope for. You are such a pleasure to talk to, Bobby. You're I've a had, pleasure. <laughs> I had so much fun watching this series, and and I really hope you get to tell more of this tale for now. Thank you so much for telling me how it was made. Thank you so much for watching it, and thanks for having me. You're the best. <laughs> That was uh, guest host Saroja Coelho's conversation with Bobby Summers, the star and creator of Hi- I Hate People, People Hate Me. You can watch all episodes right now on CBC Jam. Thanks so much to Saroja Coelho for, for doing that. I, I took a couple of a couple of days off, um, so that was, that was nice to hear her talk to Bobby there. Um, the other conversation we put up today is my conversation with the Canadian filmmaker Edgar Wright. Um, he's made films like Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Uh, But in 2010, he made this incredibly Canadian film called Scott Pilgrim versus the World. And he'll be here to reminisce a little bit about that film um, as there's a new version of it out on Netflix. All right, we'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.